In April, the PCI Security Standards Council updated the PCI Data Security Standard to include recommendations for enhancing outdated encryption measures, which could put payment card data at risk. The Council noted that SSL encryption, Secure Sockets Layer Encryption, and older versions of TLS, Transport Layer Security, should be replaced with current versions of TLS. Outdated SSL encryption is a security risk for e-commerce transactions, and with the trend increasing toward card not present fraud, this is a vulnerability the Council is taking seriously. Here, Jeremy King, International Director of the Council, explains why the Council has issued another update related to its recommendations for moving away from SSL and outdated TLS. PCI DSS compliance now requires that organizations must implement the latest versions of TLS by June 2018, rather than the compliance date of June 2016, which was set in April. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitt with Information Security Media Group. So, Jeremy, as I noted in April, the PCI Security Standards Council issued revised guidance related to SSL and early TLS encryption. What can you tell us about the revisions and why they were made? Yes, hello there, Tracy. One of the key requirements that we're always wanting to ensure through the PCI DSS is the protection of cardholder data throughout the transaction lifecycle. And one of the rules we've had from the very start of first iteration of that is that cardholder data must be encrypted when transmitted across an open public network. Um, the general method used for a long time, really, I mean, SSL in early, you know, has, has been around for over 18 years, uh, as for encrypting information across a public network has, has been the use of SSL and TLS. The problem we had was that because it's been around for a long time, the criminals were gradually working out how to attack it and how to defeat it. And so what we found was in April 2014, NIST, who we use as our reference guide on information around the strength of cryptography, they downgraded SSL and early TLS to being not secure, which gave the council a problem because Unfortunately, it was referenced in our version 3.0 of the PCI DSS. So at that time, we reached out to all of our community, to security experts, and to everybody and said, how do we tackle this? How do we remove it? How do we migrate away from it? And how long do we need? And through that feedback period, we received generally consistent information that sort of said, in most cases, we think we can deal with this within a sort of six to 12 month period. And that seemed a reasonable amount of time. So in April this year, when we released the updated version, PCI DSS 3.1, we actually said, right, we'll give everybody a year and a few months to be able to do this migration, because that was the information we were receiving. So PCI DSS came out 3.1 with the um, migration date as being set at June 2016. Quite soon after, I have to say that by sort of the middle of the year, I was having merchants coming up to me and going, as we've started to look at this, we're beginning to realize that actually we've underestimated this. And it's not only the impact of actually removing it, switching it out is something we think we can do, but actually the business impact of doing so are going to be quite considerable. And that sort of initial discussion started to ramp up. We started getting more and more and more organizations telling us exactly the same thing. We weren't getting a variety of information. It was consistent from merchants and organizations, not only over here in Europe, 
but also all over the USA. And actually, when I was visiting organizations in the Far East and Japan, I was even getting exactly the same message there. And it was consistent that when we look at the business impact of actually doing this, we are beginning to see problems. And there were two key areas in that. The first one was that in switching out SSL and early TLS, the impact was going to leave about 25% of their customers not able to transact with the merchants because they were still using older systems that could not move or migrate towards TLS 1.1 or greater. The second impact was that certain uh, mobile solutions, mobile platforms, also used early TLS. And again, by moving away from SSL and early TLS, we were going to be switching out this particular method of payments, which as new technology, we do not want to be uh, the cause of holding back or preventing new technology. The final impact was that many other organizations were still using SSL and early TLS internally. So to switch it away from their organizations would actually start causing them problems with their own internal operations. So with so much information and so many uh, different inputs, we again listen to our community. We listen to the security experts. Uh, and as a result of all that feedback, we agreed with them that we'd have to move the date back two years to enable the slower migration to the new secure levels of TLS. Jeremy, could you talk a bit about the specific vulnerabilities that are related to SSL and outdated TLS, such as Heartbleed and Poodle? And, and I think that that's a very good question, Tracy, because actually this is one of the key factors that gave us the confidence in being able to push this date out. So this wasn't just simply as picking a new date and pushing it out. So the vulnerabilities that we've seen, such as Heartbleed, such as Poodle, such as Beast, we call them quite noisy attacks. They are an attack that will be very noticeable by an organization. They aren't something that allows the criminal easy access into a merchant without being detected. And again, one of the other things is we're not seeing at the moment, real vulnerabilities in terms of the criminals being able to get access or easy access to large volumes of cardholder data. And so because of this, because it's not really in practice yet seeing live attacks against it to gain access to cardholder information, then we were more comfortable in the fact that in trying to balance the risk between security and threat and practicality and impact that we felt that we could actually move back the migration date to a longer period. This doesn't mean to say that this is not going to happen. It's something we will watch very carefully and, and certainly the security experts globally will keep a very close eye on. But it does give us more confidence that we have at the moment some more time to be able to do this. So, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about SSL encryption. You know, it has been one of the most widely used encryption protocols for the last 20 years, and you touched on that earlier in your introduction. You know, it's being used in spite of these known security vulnerabilities. Why would you say so many organizations to this point have not yet updated their encryption practices? I think this is in part due to organizations using different 
iterations of operating system of networks and processes. As we're seeing organizations move and improve their systems, so we're seeing older versions of sort of Windows 2003, 2005 gradually move away. We are going to see a sort of natural migration. I think the challenge is, is that because it has been the sort of de facto method that has been used globally, then people have maybe become a little complacent with it. They've not really considered this was going to be an issue or a challenge because it has been updated. You know, we have, you know, the TLS was an, an updating of the protocol to try and improve the security as we've gone from version 1 of that to version 1.1 to version 2. We are seeing this leveling of security improve. The challenge that we were faced with the, with the particular attacks that, that Heartbleed and Poodle introduced was it meant that we couldn't patch the protocol. It couldn't be fixed by a patch. It had to be replaced. And so this was a, a real major shift in methodology used. And I think when you do a major shift, it does have impact. And unfortunately, as we've seen from the feedback that we receive globally from our community, it does take a little bit more time to really bring into place with the minimal of impact. So it is getting that balance right. You know, we, we want a high level of security, but we want to be able to have that balance with ensuring organizations can still operate in an effective way. But what this has clearly shown for us is that this is a risk, and organizations should not see this change of date as being something that says, right, we don't need to do anything for two years. And certainly in all of the information and supporting information and webinars that we've been putting out this week clearly show that actually organizations should still migrate away from it as soon as they're capable and able to do so because that is going to be the most secure way to go forward. But if you can't, if you still have these challenges and issues to manage, then you really have to be on extra high alert for attacks that could come in using this particular method. Jeremy, could you talk briefly about what the differences between SSL and early versions of TLS are? This is an interesting question, and really there's, there's not that major differences. It's more of an evolution. I would say TLS has become a more generic platform that's sort of independent of name and independent of platform. So it is a sort of ongoing development of the original process. It's sort of very, very similar in how it approaches things, subtle differences, but mainly still doing the same thing, which is, you know, providing secure encryption of data across an open public network. I think that's why it's been so popular and widely adopted, is that this is fitted in very nicely what people are used to. But obviously now we've seen that it's become a target for the criminals, and so really this is something that, because we're aware of it, organizations need to be aware of it as well and really need to take action to try and ensure that where they can, they switch it out. Where they can't, that they take have a, a good, strong mitigation policy and migration plan in place that will allow this to be able to still used in the most secure manner possible. E-commerce transactions obviously are at greatest risk, but card present payments also could be vulnerable. What are the explicit vulnerabilities there? No, you're quite right. It is both in the face-to-face -face environment and in the e-commerce space and in the m-commerce space when the data is actually transmitted at whatever point in the transaction process over a public network. 
and that is where historically SSL and early TLSs have been used. So if the criminal has now got that capability of trying to attack the merchants through this space to gain access to this data and trying to be able to gain access to clear text data, then they have access to the key card data elements that would allow them to either obtain the information to be able to produce a clone magnetic stripe card or obtain the key data elements that would enable them to undertake a card not present fraud based attack. And so these are the risks that we're trying to prevent and that's why we're, we're quite clear in what we're saying is that although we're extending the date for the use of this, we're saying absolutely and clearly this is not a situation where you can do nothing. For NIST to downgrade this is a clear indication that they see that it is no longer providing the levels of security that they want. But the practicalities of it mean that we do need to understand that it is going to take more time to be able to migrate away from it fully. So as I said already, in the meantime, organizations must be absolutely clear that where they're still using these technologies, they need to have increased awareness, increased security in place to be able to detect anything that's happening in a strange manner around these areas. Jeremy, the council is taking steps to educate businesses about some of these vulnerabilities. And in fact, you've actually scheduled a webinar and an FAQ. What can you tell us about the upcoming webinar and some of the other educational materials that the council is putting together? I would absolutely say to your readers and listeners that they should visit our brand new website. We did update our website uh, just recently, which uh, hopefully will make it easier to find uh, their way around and watch the webinar. We have pulled together both our own internal security experts and also representatives from NIST and representatives from security companies to be able to pull together in an hour-long webinar the very latest and up-to-date information on this entire subject. So they will go into it in much more detail than I have been able to on this particular discussion. We also have some excellent supporting uh, documentation available on, on the website. You know, it's important that people read this very, very carefully because the simple thing for us to do is to change the date. The, the challenging thing is that the current version 3.1 of the DSS standard is still live and it still has in it the original June 2016 date. So it's going to take us probably until the end of Q1 to be able to release a new version of the standard which will correct and change that date. So as well as educating all of our organizations and community about this change of date, we're also actively educating and discussing with our assessor community because these are the people who actually go in and assess organizations and they'll be doing that between now and the end of Q1. So we need to have those guys trained up so when they come across this, then they're not failing the organization, but they are then asking questions that says, okay, we know this date is changing. What are you doing about it? And what are your plans to migrate away from it? So again, it's a, an education of the community, the assessors, everybody in the transaction space, including the acquirers and the processors because they are also involved in this through their relationship with merchants to ensure that everyone understands, yes, we have changed the date. This is the rationale why we've changed the date. 
and this is what you've got to do between now and the new date. Yes, very good points, Jeremy. I didn't think about the fact that this date is still included in the older version, so the more you can get the word out to the community, you know, the better, especially from a QSA perspective. I think for, for myself, and it's going to be a strange thing to say maybe, but I'm really proud of how the community has worked with us on this. I'd like to thank everybody throughout the entire community for cooperating with us so well and helping us as we've had to first introduce a change to the date back in April but then to work with us as we've tried to tackle and work with them to adjust the date, reflecting the challenges that businesses are facing. The final thought I would say is, if you can migrate away now, migrate away now. It's not something that you just think you can wait. If you can do it, do it as soon as you can because that will put you in the most secure space. If you can't do it, please have your security experts aware of the challenges that this brings and do have a mitigation plan in place and do have a migration plan in place. It is important that we do tackle this issue and ensure that we're keeping our cardholder data secure. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Jeremy King of the PCI Security Standards Council. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.